What's going on, family? This is your boy DJ Preach, the founder of the Life Show Radio. And I see that you're doing great things right now by keeping it locked here on the MTMV Sports Podcast. Yeah, I better be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Know Your Personnel Podcast. We are on all major podcast apps. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please remember to leave us a rating. Download and share this episode with a friend so we can continue to grow the game. I'm very excited for our next guest. Let's jump in. All right, and welcome back to the KYP Podcast. I have a very special guest uh, with us today, uh, head coach of the Modern Day uh, Boys Team, Gary McKnight. Coach McKnight, thank you very much for joining us us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Um, before we start, I want to go over a couple things here. First, what I have, I have your, uh, some of your statistics here. Your coaching record as a varsity coach, 1,136 wins to 110 losses. That's 91.3%. That win record is third all time in the country, not the state or the West Coast. Ever since they started keeping records of basketball coaches all over the country, you have the third most wins of all time. You also have a California state record for 11 state championships, 23 CIF titles, 36 out of 37 years you've won your league, and which is a very competitive league, especially now that it's been the Trinity League for some time. And in 2019, you were admitted to the, into the Naismith Hall of Fame of basketball. Uh, Coach, that's a really impressive resume. Oh, oh well. Even the nomination, I think <laughs> that's still a pretty uh, that's still a pretty big deal. Uh, but coach, even without that, even with the nomination, that that's a heck of a resume you put together. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Very fortunate. A lot of great players, uh, a lot of great kids, and uh, you know, I have an administration that's supportive of athletics, and um, and I've had tremendous assistant coaches, and uh, you know. It's it's been it's been a good situation since I started back in eighty two eighty three. Well, let's talk about where you started. Um, you were as a prep athlete. You were a football and baseball coach. Oh, excuse me, baseball player. And you didn't play much basketball growing up. Can you talk about the athletics that you played? Yeah, I, I played a little football, but uh, believe it or not, I, I actually was a, uh, had a lot of speed back in the day. But um, baseball was my sport. And I played at San Clemente High School, and from there I went and played at Saddleback College. And uh, I, I really enjoyed baseball. In fact, to this day, I, I probably would sit and watch a baseball game before I would a basketball game. <laughs> wow! Um, and I'm a diehard, diehard Dodger fan. Oh, so, nice! And I do like Mike Trout, though, but I'm a diehard Dodger fan. But um, most of my, you know, my days in uh, playing those sports was based around uh, baseball, but. Basketball, I went out my junior year, and the coach was Stan DiMaggio, who was the head coach there at the time. And uh, um, Stan told me, he said, Gary, I can keep you on the team, but you're a lot better baseball player. Go out and work on your baseball. So that was it. And then uh, about three years later, he hired me as his uh, freshman baseball, uh, basketball coach. So talk about then how you went from a, uh, a baseball, a diehard baseball player, really good baseball athlete, to coaching basketball at the beginning of your coaching career? You know, I was about 16. I was a sophomore at San Clemente High School. And um, I was a little bit involved with the boys club. 
and they said they needed some help. And so I started coaching some youth basketball on Saturdays and started seeing the players. And, um, you know, we started putting teams together, and we actually traveled to different boys clubs and played games. And that was back in the uh, early 70s, probably right around 73, 74. And so I, I coached youth basketball and did some traveling. I really enjoyed it. Basketball was great because of a rain. You didn't, the baseball game got rained out. The basketball game didn't. Very and, true. Uh, so I, I really had a good time, and I really enjoyed coaching uh, uh, youth basketball. And I did youth baseball. I, I did a lot of baseball. and um, I got hired as the freshman basketball coach at Tanglemany High School. I got hired from there as a uh, varsity bat, uh, baseball coach at Tanglemany High School assistant. Then I coached at Laguna Beach High School uh, baseball. I student taught at Laguna Beach High. And, uh, of all things, girls basketball and water polo. <laughs> they did not put me in a speedo, so everybody's getting not get too uptight. Um, but I, I, you know, in fact, girls basketball, I, I student taught it, and my first uh, four weeks of student teaching girls basketball, I had about sixty girls in the gym at Laguna Beach High. The sun finally broke through, and the uh, fog uh, burned away. And the last two weeks, I had about six students. So, <laughs> So they all kind of broke away. That, that'll that happen the closer you get to the beach, that's for sure. And then after you f- finished at Laguna Beach, uh, where did you coach after that? Well, I, from there I got hired at Saddleback College with Bill Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was with Bill about a year and a half, two years as an assistant. And I learned an awful lot from Bill. Um, he, he really uh, – he was very instrumental uh, on, on my career. And uh, he, his assistant coach was Bill Brummel, who was – uh, ended up being the head coach here for many years, and his best friend was one of his best friends was Jim Harris at Oceanview High School, mm-hmm. and he taught me Jim, and he got me a teaching job, and I got hired over there, and I coached freshman, sophomore, JV, and assistant varsity basketball, and Jim Harris over about a five-year period, and Jim, Jim taught me everything there was about working hard, and if you're going to run a program, you have to live in the gym, and you have to be available all the time, get that gym open, get guys playing. And, uh, you know, and, and he taught me what long hours does to put in. And he was uh, uh, he was extremely instrumental. Him and probably my baseball coach, Marshall Adair, from um, San Clemente, were two of the biggest influences I had from coaches on running programs and, you know, discipline. I was a lot tougher back then. I, I'm not nearly as tough as I used to be. <laughs> well, as many, as, as many uh, Orange County coaching legends that I meet, it seems like all roads lead back to Coach Harris and Ocean View, and uh, and and he's kind of the godfather uh, of basketball out here, and he has such a strong influence. So you coach. Go ahead. He's the godfather of my son, and I'm the godfather of one of his daughters. Right. So he he's very influential around here. Um, what after you finished at Ocean View, you're with him for five years. Then what? Then what did you decide to do? Well, I. I had some really good teams there, and we had a streak of about 59-4, and four, some over two years. Uh, I got some attention in the, some of the local papers. And uh, uh, about my fifth year there, I got laid off because of declining enrollment. So I had to get a teaching job. So I got uh, I, I applied at Modern Day, got a, sci- a teaching science at Modern Day, and uh, uh, they didn't need a coach. They said, well, you can just keep coaching Ocean View and uh, – teach here and I said okay 
So I, I taught for one year at Modern Day, and during that year, the head coach there um, got relieved of coaching, um, and um, I went through an interview process of about, I think it was 64 coaches, and I got down to about the last two, and uh, the vice principal there, a good uh, friend of mine right now, he's still with me, he's about 85, John Marino, uh, he was very influential and got me hired, and um, that's how it started. So you take over at Modern Day. So you go from a freshman coach and a varsity assistant to the head coach at Modern Day and take over a program. What was it like uh, as a brand new coach, a young coach, uh, taking over at Modern Day and running that program? Well, you know, it was a learning process. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you make a lot of mistakes and you, you, you bring enthusiasm and you try to tie it all together. And, uh, it's a growing process. I got very fortunate. Our first year at Modern Day in 83, we won the CF title, which was the first time in Orange County history that a large school won a CF title in basketball. And, you know, I just, I walked into a good situation. Uh, Tom Lewis transferred in, and uh, he was an awfully good player. And mm-hmm. so it was Mike Mitchell. And they joined Matt Beezer, who ended up being CF player of the year that year. Mike Fielder is about 6'6", about 280. And Chris Jackson was 6'5", jump center and played pro basketball in the Philippines for about 15 years. So I walked into a tremendous situation. And, uh, you know, we, we beat Long Beach Poly that year in the finals, uh, which was really, I kind of heard of because Orange County schools don't beat Long Beach Poly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the following year, they came back and beat us in the CF finals. So I think they weren't they were overly happy about losing to us, but... Uh, um, all in all, though, though I, I just walked into a good situation, and um, you know, and we we're very fortunate because we, we we were able to keep it going for you know this, this is my 38th year now, so it, you know, I, I, at the time I didn't think it was you know I'd be there that much longer. How I didn't know how long I'd be there, or whatever, but uh, it, it's it's worked out to an ideal situation. So you walked into a good place, and you ended up getting some guys in who were really, really good players. Um, but to your your success over time has a lot to do with your structure and your culture. And how did you continue to build that culture, even as you guys were winning and being very successful? You know, we, we did a good job. One, again, I have some good assistant coaches. I'm really good. I heard um, Al McGuire one time speak on there's – five areas to be a great coach mm-hmm. or a real good coach. And I might be really good in two, two and a half of them. Well, don't hire people the same as you if you're good in certain areas. Hire people in areas you're not good at. And uh, so I, I made a point of always hiring people that are real good in certain areas that I wasn't, and especially defense. I've been very fortunate. I had Dave Taylor for 18 years. Uh, he was a Sacramento guy, and uh, um, he's now the business manager of the school. And then I had Jason Quinn, who played for Dave and I, and he took over for uh, uh, Dave when Dave retired. And so uh, I've had consistency on the defensive end, and that's really made a difference. I'm really good at organizing. I'm real good with communication most of the time. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just felt like we, you know, I, and then I hired some young coaches, too, that can get down to defensive staff and uh, actually demonstrate. and. Uh, individual workouts and they you know how much kids love individual workout players do so mm-hmm. uh, I was able to look around and find the right people and uh, um, and keep consistency Jason Quinn's been with me 
as a player and coach since 1987. Wow. So, you know, I mean, he's been with me, you know, and he's, he's like a son to me. And um, he, he is a son to me. Uh, and I already got five others. Uh, and they're all expensive, too. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, but Jason, you know, the kind of the consistency there, and off and on, I've had coaches that have been there seven, eight years, and a few have gotten head jokes, uh, jobs. Chris Nordstrom got the Orange Lutheran job. Um, uh, uh, Matt Kavanaugh went up to Western and the um, Century, and um, I've had several others go different. Rich Shop got the uh, head girls job down at um, an AD at Santa Margarita. So I've been fortunate where a lot of my guys have been able to go on and do different things. And, um, you know, but I hire good people. And a lot of people are afraid to hire people that are better than them uh, because they want to dominate. And you can't be that way. You want to put the best people around you as possible. That's, that's good advice. So you kept your culture going by hiring good coaches who were excelled in the things that you weren't as strong in. And then they were there consistently. And then when it was time for them to go, they went on and took their own programs over, which is, which is what you want. You want to hire coaches who want their own uh, program one day. You talked about uh, the defensive strategy and having coaches come in there, put in your defensive philosophy. How did your style of play philosophy, how did you form it? And how has it changed over the years? We really uh, have it go from year to year on what our, our talent is. Are, are we a guard-oriented team? Are we uh, a big team? Are we, uh, you know, uh, you know, are we going to play strictly man-to-man? Are we going to throw those zone in? We work on zone defense every fall uh, before the season and never use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, honest, honest to God, I've never uh, – we work on zone. Uh, we spend an hour here, a couple hours here a week, do this and that. And when it comes down to it, we play man-to-man. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of comical, but and, and as, I, as we're doing, I turn to Jason. I go, "We're never going to use this." He goes, "Oh no, no, we're going to use it this year." Ah, we won't use it. <laughs> we usually don't. So we're we're basically a man-to-man team, but we adapt our offense and our defense. You know, because defensively, sometimes you can't play up in the lane defense. You're going to have to play a little bit off the guy, and maybe just be hard on the ball and get off on the weak side. So we've had to adapt over the years, and I think that's a, one of our strengths. Is We've adapted to our talent, and uh, um, you know, and tried to, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it's worked out better that way. You can't just say we're always going to play this way. You know, I, I think there's times you don't have to. Okay, and then um, so you talked about uh, developing players and skill development, hiring some really good skill development guys. How often do you work on skill development with your players? Uh, is it a seasonal thing? Is it every practice? And how do you how do you uh, organize who works with what with, with what position players? Well, uh, Jason Quinn and, uh, is handling defense, and he'll he'll take one of the other guys help him with the defense end. And then uh, offensively, I have a, right now I got a kid named, uh, named Shu Izagawa. He's not a kid; he's thirty five years old. <laughs> but uh, Shu runs the offense. And I have uh, 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 this year at Rusty Van Cleve, mm-hmm. uh, who, who is the uh, he was the uh, um, um, head coach at Foothill High School once some CF titles there. So I was very fortunate to have him come over this year and help us. You know, but what I do is every morning I meet with Jason and I go, I want to work on this, this, and this today. And uh, he goes to the coach, said, Coach wants this, this, and this done, and this is how he wants it done. 
and then I'll be there, and you know, as the years have gone on, I'll be more stand back and watch. And then when I I don't like something happening, I'll call Jason over, or I'll go out there. And this isn't working. You got to do this, this, and this. And um, so you know, it, it, it's one way, and also it keeps your coaches around. Because if you let your coaches coach and do things, they feel important. If you just have them, I've seen college coaches just dominate the practice, and the assistants stand off to the side. You know, I don't think you keep coaches that way. I think you got to make everybody a part of it. You know, I have to make the final decision on who plays and who doesn't. I'm the one who takes a pair of phone calls. I'm the one who takes a pair of text messages. I'm the one who walks to the gym after the game and gets bumped by a parent if they have a suggestion. <laughs> and believe it, parents nowadays have suggestions. I can't and, believe that. You know, and um, so I, I handle all those situations and take it away from any of the coaches. Um, you know, but for the most part, with the success we've had, uh, we've had a pretty good situation with parents and players and what have you. You told me once when I went to uh, watch your team's practice a few years ago, you told me that you thought that you were the best CEO in the country, um, or at least one of them. Uh, what do you mean by that statement? Well, I think I do a good job of managing people and managing the players. I can tell you, I, can, I have a knack where if a kid walks in the office, I can look at his face that he's going to give up basketball. He broke up with his girlfriend. He has a bad acne day or he just failed the biggest test of his life, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I, I, have, I have a, usually have a knack to try to pick them back, back up and talk to them, and, you know, and a lot of kids, you know, there are a lot of kids in modern day have to wait their turn. A lot of these kids that are sophomores would be uh, a big-time starter, a lot of local schools, and they're waiting their turn, and they're getting part-time playing time. And some can handle it, some can't, and I have to explain it to them. One of my biggest problems is I'm blunt honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will tell exactly what the situation is, where they stand, what have you. But And I also say, you know, we've had over 120 kids go to major Division One, Not Division Two or Three. Over 120 kids go to Division One. Wow. So I said, wait, wait your turn. Um, when it, it, you're, you're talking about working on relationships with players and that's one of your roles as someone who's able to work with the players and get to know them and get the best out of them, what are some strategies that you use? You say you can read them really well. What are some strategies that you have that help you build relationships with players on your team? Well, I, I, we do outside things other than basketball. You know, um, uh, at lunchtime, we eat together in the locker room, locker room. We'll have a, a hot dog Friday for game day of football. We'll um, uh, you know, go to the and watch other sports play on campus. Um, we have uh, get-togethers, you know, at players' homes or, you know, swim parties. And stuff. We try to do a lot of things just basketball. And I'm always there. I live at the school. Mm-hmm. And I'm always they have a problem academically. Then I'll try to set them up with a tutor or the rest to work with. You know, uh, so I, I try to be there for them in a lot of things. A lot of times they ask what colleges you go to, and I say, I won't tell you that. If you got a question about colleges or coaches, I'll be glad to talk to you about it, but I'm not going to tell you where to go because you may be happy, you may not, and I don't want you to be upset with me about that. Um, but, you know, I, um, so we, I, I try to just uh, communicate a lot. Like, um, you know, I, I'm not opposed. You know, I, I, we have a group. Um, that's the thing I send out. Um, I have uh, guys I'll call, just talk to them, say, hey, you look like you had a tough day today. Everybody goes, all right. You know, and 
so, you know, I, I'm not afraid to communicate, um, you know, uh, with the boys and, and find out what's going on in their lives, see if I can help at all. Sigmund Freud, Sigmund Freud I'm not. <laughs> you talked about um, parents and even a little bit about administration. How do you work effectively with parents and administration uh, throughout your tenure at, at a at a big time school with high expectations? Well, uh, success never hurts. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I I've, I've had about five different principals, uh, uh, about uh, three three different presidents. Um, I was athletic director for eighteen years, um, and then uh, when the new gym got built, uh, I stepped down because. Um, they just felt that the uh, running the uh, facility, having to be there on weekends, make sure things are going right, is just too much, uh, and be the head basketball coach. So um, I kind of uh, got a good situation, and they said that Gary will take good care of you, just coach basketball, and coach here as long as you want. And, um, uh, you know, having a supportive administration, you know, if somebody uh, calls the school to, you know, you know they want to get through and talk to the principal or somebody uh it, it gets turned down they, they don't they, you said you did you talk to coach and they'll go no we're good now you gotta talk to coach and then if you want to go up the ladder you go up the ladder but you know it's it's really a situation they really back their coaches you know and uh, and our last prince uh, president uh, just left pat murphy he always said make sure you're always defendable and i'll defend you to uh, to the wall you make sure you're always defendable and you know, uh, I know Rollins and I are the old guys on campus, but, you know, uh, we have a great coaching staff. And uh, it, it, when the coaches know you're getting, getting back by administration, life's, life's really good. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Now, I remember one time we were playing in a tournament in uh, the summer in Concordia, and I'm walking towards the gym and you're walking out. And, you were, you know, you're looking at your phone. You said, Nick, you know, the, the, this parent wants more playing time. They want – they want more time and they keep on asking me. And I just thought to myself, I said, even at a program like yours, with the success that you've had individually and as a program, you still get those types of text messages and phone calls. If it doesn't get to the, before it gets to the, the principal or the athletic director, whomever, how do you work with parents most effectively when they come to you with frequently asked questions? Well, I have my parent meeting at the beginning of the year. And basically I tell them, you know, if you become uh, unhappy or, you don't feel like we're doing a job, you can find a program better than ours, you should go. Um, because, you know, I, I've been here a long time, and I, I, I know how I like to do things, and, I, I'm, it, you know, I treat all the kids equal. I don't care if they're the best player on the team or the 15th player on the team. And uh, uh, I'm doing, you know, everything I can uh, to try to figure out how to win and also how to uh, give guys experience if we have the opportunity and uh, some of our practices are going to be better for your kids and game time. So, you know, you're going to have to uh, figure out for yourself if this is the right spot or not. And, uh, you know, take it from there. Cause I really, uh, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, uh, if, if you're not happy, then go somewhere else. I, I, I really, I really believe that. And for the most part, everybody sticks around, everybody's fine, but, you know, once in a while, you, we have a kid transfer out. We've had a lot of uh, – everybody talks about uh, modern day gets transfers in, but we get a quite a few transfer out too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's just, you know, uh, one thing good about basketball, though, you only need five players. And actually, you need about eight 
you know, and and then you hope you have some younger kids that are, are developing so to take their place. You know, I would rather have a kid come in as a freshman and play four years than, and then get a transfer for one year. In fact, modern day rarely takes a senior transfer unless they move in from out of state anymore. So it's usually somebody that, um, yeah, it's usually has to be a junior or sophomore. They won't, they won't take a, a senior uh, nine out of ten times. You talked about transfers coming in and out. And one thing I've noticed, even at the programs that I've been at, when you get a transfer, a, a, this kid comes in and, and his, where he came from, regardless of where it is, it's different from where he is now at your place. And what may have been acceptable at one place is not as, as, as acceptable at yours and, and so on and so forth. How do you keep the culture, the modern day culture, while you get new guys come in every once in a while who aren't used to uh, doing things the way that you do it? Well, first of all, uh, the guys that are there already have been with you for three years or two years or four years. They set the tone. And, they're, they're, and the way they act, the other kids usually say, oh, boy, that's how it is. And they usually follow suit mm-hmm. on what the other kids are doing. So that usually uh, is the best thing for me because, um, you know, uh, and my, my captains are different players. I, I don't pick a captain because he's the best player because he's the best player on the team. I pick a captain because he'll be the best leader on the team. And I've had a lot of kids that are non starters that I make captains just because they're good leaders and they're not afraid to speak up in the locker room. Having that little star next to your name on the roster uh, means you're captain, but it also means you gotta take a leadership role and some kids are don't like to tell other kids you can't do that or you're wrong or you can't do this or that. And uh, so I always try to pick the guys that will be leaders in the, in the uh, team room and give good suggestions and talk to the other guys. You, um, you said in the beginning that you've had a, a, a lot of really good players and you've had over a hundred division one players uh, come in and out of uh, or, or leave your program it's easy to say, it's easy to look at your teams and say, well, he's got all this talent, this and that, this stuff should happen. But you and I both know that just because you have a lot of talent doesn't mean you're going to win. And a lot of times with that talent comes egos and, and kids with a lot of pressure on them and expectation and kids are expected to sign places and do all types of things that maybe the, the, the coach without those types of players have to worry about. How do you manage all the egos on your team and still get them to play together and play all the way to the end of the year? Well, yeah, I look back to Miles Simon. Uh, Miles Simon was MVP of the Final Four of Arizona, played mm-hmm. the NBA, coach the Lakers. When he played for me as a senior, he averaged 18 a game. And a lot of schools, he could average 25, 28. Uh, but he was about what's going to take for us to win. And, um, and he was a good example. I bring a lot of my ex-players in to speak to the team. Uh, this year, I had Taylor King come in and talk. I had um, and Coach Dad, Jay Sarah. Uh, mm-hmm. I had um, um, David Travis Ware come in and talk. I had um, um, Cedric Bozeman um, I, and uh, Matt Beezer and, I, I, and Tom Lewis. I've had different guys in the past come in. I, I had them come in to speak to, speak to the uh, team and tell them how it was in their day and, you know, what the sacrifice was. But to be in the final game of the year, if you get to play eight extra games a year, you're going to get noticed a lot more than if you play you get one extra game of the year and you're out of the playoffs. So, uh, you know, we, we try we try to show them the value and 
you got to play as a group. You got to play as a team. If we I, this year we didn't as much. But the year before we had six guys average double figures. Mm-hmm. So and that that yeah, usually never happens. It's it's very difficult at any level to uh, repeat and continue with success. It's uh, you know Pat Riley calls it what the, the disease of me, where when you start to win. You lose that hunger, you lose that intensity, that fire that you had before you won. How is it that you keep these players hungry every single year, year in, year out, to not just win the game in front of them, but win the league and, and win CIF and go for state? How do you keep them hungry after all the success they've had? I ask, what's your legacy going to be? Because I point to the banners in the gym. I don't see your year up there yet. I hope in you know, 10 years from now you come back and you can show your kids your banner up on the wall. And and so that's what keeps that that keeps them that keeps the fire in them. And, you know, for the most part, they you know, and and again, they love success. And there's so much travel ball and stuff going on these days uh, that takes away a little bit from it. But um, uh, but when they come back, you know, from travel ball or they're doing a lot of my kids will play with us during the summer, and not travel ball. Uh, but you know, they come back in and they got to readjust to playing as a team. They're playing as a bunch of individuals. You got a travel ball team. The point guard doesn't throw you the ball. You're done. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that I don't know if that answers the question. But you know, I just think that you know, I bring them back, and they seem to get a little more hungrier. We try to play a national schedule the best we can. Um, during this uh, virus situation, there won't be much travel um, because uh, you know we got to wait for this thing to hopefully cool down. We'll find a cure for this thing. But um, anyway, that that's you know I, I try to uh, I try to do it that way. Thirty uh, thirty seven years, um, a lot of really great teams. Off the, uh, if you had to look back, what are some of the best teams uh, that you coached during your time, and why? Well, you make me feel young because actually thirty eight years, but anyway. oh. <laughs> um, you know I I've had some really good teams. Uh, the eighty five team was twenty nine and zero. They didn't have the state tournament that year. The CIF voted not to go to it. And uh, we had uh, Tom Peabody, a point guard, who ended up being the human brood, started Loyola Marymount, uh, when Bo and Hank were there. And then at uh, shooting guard was Tom Lewis at 6'7", um, who went on to USC and then to Pepperdine. The other wing was uh, Mike Kelly, who played 15 years in New Zealand and Australia and got coached in Euro in Australia this year. Uh, he was about 6'6". Six, six. Uh, Stu Thomas was a uh, power forward, about 6'8". He went to Stanford. And the other uh, uh, center was uh, LaRon Ellis, who went on to... Uh, um, uh, no, it wasn't LaRon. It was uh, it was uh, Mike Mitchell. LaRon went on to the uh, WAC Player of the Year um, for Colorado. So, I mean, that team went undefeated and just breezed through the playoffs. Um, and uh, that was an awfully good team. But, you know, we've had other teams that have beaten teams they shouldn't have. And, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, talent has gotten so much better over the years. And there's more parity between all, all across the board now. You know, and I look back at some of the teams we've had. Some of them have really risen to the occasion and, and beat teams that they probably shouldn't have. And, um, uh, but it's because they played so well as a team. So, you know, it's hard to just pinpoint the players I've had. You know, I've had uh, 24 CIF Player of the Years, and wow. uh, some of 
were duplicates. So I think there's actually 18 because I think three of them were two-time CF Player of the Year. So, I mean, there's so many players I could point out. And I, if I point out the wrong one, I'll, I'll get a phone call tomorrow. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying we've had a lot of good – when you win 11 state titles, I think we've been to the state finals 18 times. Um, so, I mean, and some of those we should have won. And some of those we, uh, 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 you know, we could have lost and we won. So it, it goes back and forth. But we've had a lot of teams that have um, gone pretty far and pushed themselves. Um, and now I'm going to put you on the spot here. If, and I know you mentioned this a little bit. If you name, can you name some of the top players, maybe not all of them, or maybe just the ones that come to mind, some of the top players that you've coached that you remember as being one of the best that ever played there? Well, my wife's sitting across from me, so Clay McKnight was probably the best player ever. <laughs> uh, just kidding. He did set the Orange County record for three-pointers in a year, but he had his mother's quickness. Instead of mine, I'd have more. Um, no, uh, Miles Simon, uh, you know, Rick Geary, uh, Stuart, uh, Taylor King. Taylor King led the county in scoring for three years in a row, but they, uh, he also led the county in rebounding three years in a row. People forget that. Um, the Ware brothers, Andy Brown, who went to Danford, uh, Spencer Friedman was just a, a delight to coach, just a delight. And he, he's at Harvard now. Um, um, going back to the day, Tom Lewis and Matt Beezer were my superstars back in, in the day. LaRon Ellis, Jamal Sampson, who played pro basketball. Um, Shea Cotton wasn't too bad either. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy named Stanley Johnson that I, I kind of enjoyed he won four state titles in four years. Um, it's funny thing about Stanley as a freshman, he played center. As a sophomore, he played forward. As a junior, he played shooting guard, and as a senior, he played point guard. Hmm. He, he was quite the player, but you know there were so many guys in there, and I'm leaving out I'm leaving out names and stuff. And um, you know, this year we had uh, a very good player, Devin Askew, a very fine player going to Kentucky, and um, so I mean we've been. We've been very, very fortunate. A lot of good players. You've been, uh, you've been watching the game at the highest level of high school basketball for uh, nearly 40 years. What are some things you've seen change in the game since when you started to where we are now? Head coaches don't last anymore. They'll coach, they'll coach a few years or maybe four or five. And uh, Mark Hill just retired. Yeah. And uh, he was, he was a good one. And, but, um, they just don't stick around as much anymore. They get burned out. They get worn out. They don't get the support from the administration. Uh, the, the parents drive them nuts. Um, you know, different situations. They just don't seem to be uh, uh, lasting like they do. Um, even at some of the bigger schools, uh, move around a lot. So, you know, the Jim Harris's of the world and uh, Dave Browns and uh, you know uh, Mark Thorntons and. You know, there's a lot of good coaches that, you know, just they passed away or they're just not around anymore. And I just find that there's a lot of pretty good turnover in coaches. What about uh, changes in the game? Changes in the game, um, I think too many of these coaches are afraid of the kids transferring. Um, the, the travel team coach can be good, it can be bad. You get the wrong travel team coach and he's out telling people that, you know, that coach just doesn't let you play your game. I've heard that before from kids, and I go, what is your game? I need to know this. <laughs> uh, and some of these individual trainer guys, uh, they're out there for one reason, one reason only. 
They're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Not all of them, but a lot of them, just to make the buck off you. And tell them, they'll tell you that, tell the parents how they can get them a college scholarship, how they can do this. I know this guy. And then when it comes down to it, they know where to be from. You know, and uh, that's the only thing I can say. Track record-wise, I've known all the head coaches. I've known them since back in the 80s. I remember walking into my old gym one time on the stage. I had um, uh, 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 Dean Smith, Barry Tarkanian. Um, who was our guy at Utah? Um, Rick Majerus. Um, Rick Majerus. Um, all sitting on the stage at once. You know, I sit on the stage, not in a chair, sitting on the stage watching us practice. You know, so I mean, it's it's kind of uh, you know, I look back over the years and all the coaches and. Uh, Tark Kenyon probably is one of my favorites. He, he, he was he was great. He, he was great. He's one of those guys that you ran into in the final four. He'd talk to you and look you in the eye, uh, not looking over your shoulder to see if there's something better to talk to than me. And I mean, he would just he'd sit there. He was just a really down to earth guy, a good guy. Uh, ben Hallen, uh, I really miss Ben. Ben was a very very good coach, and you know the people the story people don't know is. Stanley Johnson was ready to go to UCLA, and then uh, Ben got let go. Or Stanley Johnson would have went to uh, UCLA. Wow, that would have changed some things for them. Yeah, and Sean Miller is a great guy. So it worked out great. Yeah. I've been, you know, and so, but you just never know. I mean, the guy wins the uh, Pac-12, uh, Pac and uh, or was it? Did he win the tournament or the conference? I think he won the, the conference, and uh, well, lost in the final Pac-12 got released. And, uh, uh, you know, it's been tough since then. A couple more questions, Coach, and I'll let you go. Um, I, know you're, I know you're a student of the game, always trying to improve yourself. What are some ways that you develop professionally, whether it be books or websites or shows, or what are some ways that you look to expand your game? Bar napkins, bar napkins at clinics. Mm-hmm. I go to clinics, listen to the guys speak. Afterwards, I run into them in the bar. And I say, write down your best uh, out-of-bounds zone play. Write down your best. What would you do? Give me your best in the situation you have to score a bucket. And I got more plays written on bar napkins than I ever do get from listening to a clinic. Uh, but I always try to corner them and just get one thing out of them. If I get one thing out of, you know, 25 different guys, you know, in the long run, it really comes in handy. And um, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I don't spend much time in bars anymore, but, I, I, I still do uh, talk to coaches. When they come out to the gym, I'll sit over there with them while practice is going on, and uh, I'll ask them different things. And uh, I find that is, you know, just basketball stealing. You steal from this coach, you steal from that coach, and you just try to find out, you know, what their secrets are. Um, last thing, Coach, what advice do you have for uh, new coaches or upcoming coaches in the game? What advice do you give them on – how to uh, how to how to stay as long as you have? Well, you got to find the right situation. You got to have a wife that understands. You know, I have five sons, and uh, um, my oldest played basketball. The others played all different sports. And uh, um, you know, she was very understanding. She never missed the game. She was always there, always supportive. Good times, bad times, and uh, you know, having that family support is uh, extremely extremely important. Um, you know, and, and one other thing is, I think you got to do is uh, find some uh, experienced coaches, older coaches, whatever, and go pick their brain.
All right, Coach. Well, um, if any of our uh, listeners would like to reach you, maybe to pick your brain or to ask you some questions, what's the best way uh, for them to get in contact with you? Uh, my email, mcknight at monterey.org, or school number is 714-850-9578. And while there's five going on, I'm so bored, I'll talk to you. Well, that's how I got this interview because the virus is going on and, and uh, we don't have much else to do at this point. So I was lucky to get uh, my, a few minutes to talk to you, Coach. I really appreciate you uh, taking your time, and, and uh, we'll be checking on uh, Modern Day and see how they do this upcoming year. Nick, best of luck to you in the charter. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that does it for the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can email me at nicksonato at ymail.com. See you next time. Coming in. This is Andrew Brown with the North Florida Tigers Prep Program, and you are listening to me on MTMV. Support the podcast whenever you can, listen as much as you can, and share as much as you can.